defenses. Initiate bank protocol. What is good, homies? It's your favorite bird boys, palm reader, Otis Morris, and we are back. Today we are embarking on an exhilarating journey through time, dreams, wormholes, memories, and the invention of the goddamn atomic bomb. That's right. We're, uh, we're going to dissect and rank the illustrious filmography of visionary director Christopher Nolan, uh, who's very hot right now, and uh, talk a little bit about Oppenheimer, which we had the pleasure of seeing together uh, about a week and a half ago. Um, you know, from mind-bending concepts to cerebral twists to intricate storytelling to huge action set, set pieces, um, we'll explore the highs and the lows of Christopher Nolan's filmmaking career and give our Christopher Nolan power rankings. I don't know if they're going to be in numbered or if tiered. We haven't really figured that out, but we're going to talk about what we consider the best of the best and what we consider the worst of the still pretty good. Because let's be honest, Christopher Nolan hasn't really missed. Um, there's some stuff that might not hit as hard as others, but um, overall, he's one of the better uh, directors uh, and filmmakers working today. Um, but that's not all. Of course, we got to talk about Oppenheimer um, and uh, uh, share our thoughts on everyone's favorite broken, naked, and possibly communist atomic scientist. Furthermore, we're going to revisit the buzz surrounding the release of this film and probably talk about the whole Barbenheimer meme turned reality turned cinema to cinematic savior. Is that what I would say? I don't know. Uh, we're going to also talk about what we loved about Oppenheimer. And of course, we're going to share our nitpicks and gripes with the film. Be warned, there will be spoilers. We're going to cover lots and lots of stuff, spoilers for all the films. So if you haven't seen all of them, um, or, you know, you, you, there's still ones you want to go see and you don't want anything spoiled, pause here, come back afterwards. Um, but yeah, brace yourselves for our raw and unfiltered reactions that might be as blinding as the Trinity test. And as wild as that scene where a uh, good old Oppie suits up like he's fucking Batman. Uh, as we ask the big question, <laughs> does Oppenheimer live up to the Nolan legacy and where does it sit in his filmography? Um, so yeah. It's another themed episode of Bird Protocol, baby, and uh, we're doing it kind of Lazy Bird, kind of themed, because uh, as we've said time and time again, life's been a little bit crazy this summer for all of us between health stuff, uh, work stuff, and all that good stuff. Uh, but we should have some uh, fairly steady episodes from here until the end of the summer. I'm joined by Otis yeah. Morris. Otis, was that intro okay? Did you enjoy it? I thought it was pretty damn good, man. That was a pretty good intro. You, you always amaze me with the intros. You always, you always knock it out of the park, and I respect it. I'm not a good intro writer, but uh, that was uh, exceptional, especially now since I am officially have CTE. I diagnosed myself with it after receiving two concussions in a matter of three days. I am the smartest man alive, and uh, <laughs> I'm here to offer uh, all the hot takes on Oppenheimer, Tenet, Dunkirk, Interstellar, Memento, The Dark Knight, 
all of them. I'm going to hit them all with these bars that have been implanted in my head by a man's fake Italian watch. And his, uh, his fat girlfriend can stink in hell. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's been a, uh, if you can't tell, it's been a, uh, a very interesting past couple of weeks. Um, life just keeps throwing weird curveballs yeah. at both of us <laughs> in like the strangest name, strangest ways. Um, you you got you know randomly attacked uh, and then yep. also fainted out of nowhere. Um, yep. I became diabetic. Like, <laughs> what the yep. hell is happening? Are we cursed? Um, um, we went to a sick wedding. Um, that, yeah. Shout out. Kieran and Laura, that was a beautiful wedding. Thank you for having both of us and our partners. That was great. Uh, I just wish that, you know, the aforementioned things didn't happen beforehand. And oh, in yeah. In some cases, you know, 24, less than, less 24, than 24 hours, hours. before. We got, yeah. we got a, a, Meg and I got a frantic phone call from Matt's, uh, sorry, Otis's partner. Uh, yeah. And, uh, um, they, they, they were, uh, beside themselves uh, screaming about blood uh, and and someone and violence and I I was completely well I didn't really understand what the hell was going on and this was you know less than like twelve hours before we were supposed to meet up or something like that yeah like, it was like fourteen hours shit. yeah thirteen hours uh, or so before we yeah it was cutting it close but yeah i was assaulted by a angry man because they didn't like what i was saying to his girlfriend who was yelling in the streets as was he they were both yelling like fucking just neanderthals just drunk coked up dumb idiots yeah that's was... what uh that's what's going on here and uh you know and luckily there's like a good police presence i guess I don't know. It depends how you feel on police, but like they're not really, you know, choking out people that don't deserve to be choked out here. I don't think so. And but you know, there's a lot of people getting stabbed in Waterloo. So uh, I didn't know if you knew that, but that's a thing. Actually, somebody police just had to go to Pairs work to receive uh, camera footage of a stabbing that happened across the street. So yeah, people are getting. Everybody stabbed. needs to relax. Yeah, people are just uh, hot and bothered and uh, just getting wild in the streets, throwing knives, throwing fists, throwing watches, and getting arrested for it. So, uh, I don't know. If you're out late at night, watch out, because there's some just freaks out there that are going to freak on you for no reason. Literally no reason whatsoever. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll share the story another time. <laughs> we we can break it down if we have time at the end of the episode. If not, we'll save it for I'm sure the lazy bird that's coming in the next couple of weeks will will go over it. Um, and or course, maybe we'll talk about it because we're gonna go to the cottage, and so it'll be me and pair. So maybe we can break down the whole situation mm, as a trio. Mm, yes, uh, we'll get be all the perspectives. You're gonna get a probably a couple episodes live from the cottage in the next uh, two weeks, folks, because yeah, be we're we're going up there for a long, a nice long, uh, a nice long chunk of time and uh there's finally internet there so very cool very very cool very tight um uh, yes and also thank you to kieran and laura and congratulations congratulations to both of your families the whole thing was a great success uh and it was a beautiful ceremony beautiful 
reception, everything was great. And Otis and I had a fantastic time. And for those who are listening who care about my health, uh, I am doing quite well going in to see a uh, my endocrinologist in a few days. And hopefully I will finally have a set diagnosis and a set treatment going forward. But I'm pretty sure it's type two. And I'm pretty sure I've got it mostly under control. Like I'm feeling pretty good. So without further ado, let's talk about something we did shortly after we went to uh, the wedding. It was we went to go see uh, Oppenheimer the latest offering from Christopher Nolan, our, uh, you know, man of the hour today, uh, based on the 2005 biography American Prometheus by Kai Bird and Martin J. Sherwin. Um, The film chronicles the career of American theoretical physicist J. Robert Oppenheimer. Um, And uh, uh, it predominantly focuses on his early studies and then his uh, coming to and direction of the Manhattan Project during World War II, which was the um, creation of and weaponizing of uh, atomic uh, bombs Um, and his eventual fall from grace due to a uh, 1954 security hearing and the kind of politics that surrounded that and the aftermath of successfully creating and detonating uh, nuclear weapons in Japan and ending the war. The film doesn't really cover uh, that part of it, which I'm kind of grateful for because I feel like it would be a little bit gratuitous um, yeah. for something and, that was already so so dense. Um, I and think it, then it wouldn't be Oppenheimer. Then it would just be Oppenheimer and all the other people as well. Very and true. I think this movie does a good thing of focusing on Oppenheimer. It's a uh, the man yeah he's uh he's he's oppie um mr mr oppenheimer um it's uh stars killian murphy as the titular character emily blunt as his wife uh kitty oppenheimer matt damon as general leslie groves head of the manhattan project robert johnny downey jr as lewis strauss uh, or Strauss, a member of the uh, U.S. Atomic Energy Commission, and Florence Pugh as a psychiatrist and Oppenheimer's mistress, Jean Tatlock. Uh, and then there is a holy shit murderer's row of ensemble supporting cast roles. Everybody. Uh, literally almost everybody who is everybody. I will name some of them. Uh, Josh Hartnett, Casey Affleck, Remy Malik, Kenneth Branagh, Benny Safty, Jason Clark, Dylan Arnold, James Darcy, David, uh, I can never say his name, Das Malkian. Das uh, Malkian. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Dane, Dane DeHaan, um, Matthew Modine, David Krumholtz, Jack Quaid, Josh Peck, uh, 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 on and on and on. Like it just keeps going and going. Scott Grimes. Yeah. Uh, uh, everybody's a somebody that you're like ah shit really okay they're there Uh, some that you know I were even a surprise to me three days after where I was like wait you're telling me Gary Oldman was that fucking asshole you're telling me that was Gary Oldman you're telling me that that was Gary fucking Oldman it was him as Harry as fucking Truman you're telling me there's Gary Oldman and some fucking makeup and stuff being all the presidents? Like, now he's been every fucking leader during yeah. the war, he's, he's, basically, at this he's point. He's done everybody. He's There's going to be a movie where Gary Oldman's the fucking emperor of Japan. 
And yeah. they're just going to be like, is it racist? And they're going to be like, no, Gary Oldman, he ha- actually has a deal with the devil where he's allowed to play every major war figure from World War II. It's, uh, you know, if he can complete this within his lifetime, it'll actually stop global warming. So <laughs> he has to get the infinity We need to stones. get these $200 million epic war movies going again. If Gary so, Oldman you know, can play the head of every country, not, all nations will dissolve and the world will become one. Yeah. It will become the na- one nation under <laughs> Oldman. Um <laughs> Uh, yeah, and uh, uh, we also have some uh, uh, other people that showed up. Alex Wolf, um, who yep. was in uh, Hereditary. Hereditary. Um, there is Matthias Schwenghofer. Schwenghofer, I can never say his last name correctly, but he plays uh, Werner Heisenberg, and he was in Army of the Dead and Army of Thieves and um, The Swimmers, and you know uh, uh, James Remar, who has been in like he was Ajax in the Warriors and you know a whole bunch of different stuff he's in it as a secretary of war Henry Stimson like it's just literally so many people and the craziest thing about like this cast list which you can go look on their IMDb or the Wikipedia and it's like a page and a half long and yeah. oh oh I forgot about um Alden Aaron Reich, I, I can yeah, the yeah. guy who played uh, uh, Han Solo, he's in it. Uh, Tony Goodwin is in it. Um, uh, Matthew Modine is in it. Like it's it, uh, Bro, uh, fucking Josh from fucking uh, what's the show? The fucking Disney show is the dude that pushes the bomb. Yeah, Josh Peck. Yeah. There's yeah. like, there's, yeah. there's so many people. Drake in, and Josh. Though. Yeah, Drake and Josh. And there's just so many people in this movie. Like, if you took the first, like, if you took up to Jason Clark on the on the list, Killian Murphy, Emily Blunt, Matt Damon, Robert Downey Jr., Florence Pugh, Josh Hartnett, Casey Affleck, Remy Malik, Kenneth Branagh, Benny Safdie, and Jason Clark. If you just took those, you'd be like, damn, that movie's stacked. But this, Absolutely. the list is like five times. It just keeps going. It just keeps, it just keeps going. going. And like people- you think a Wes Anderson movie is like enough. Like you're like, oh, okay. This is just upsetting of how many people he has in this movie. This movie's like, ha ha. I have more. Yeah. Like people I show up for, for like two lines. Like Jack Quaid. He plays Richard Feynman. And he's in it for like three scenes. He has like two lines. And it's like. Yeah, wh- it's like. Huey, why are you here? <laughs> yeah. What? It's like Christopher Christopher Nolan was like, here, I'll trade Michael Caine to retirement and I'll pick up 20. <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate trade. Um yeah. and the thing yeah. that's crazy about this, and some of them is, are like they're like it's it's like last minute switches or last mm. minute like sub-ins. Like Remy Malik comes in in the very end. And he's like a guy who like what he like you nearly meet him two or three times, and then he yeah. shows up at the end and just drains it. Like he's yeah. he's shooting from the three point line, perfect. He <laughs> just shows up and delivers like a banging, scathing monologue in like the craziest backlighting, like cinematic backlighting. And you're like, is that fucking Remy Malik? Where did he come from? Yeah. <laughs> 
dude from fucking Mr. Robot just showed up and just did some weird shit with I'm, his eyes. I'm pretty sure that that's what we both said is that fucking yeah. Remy Valley when he came on. It was, it's this, the, the. Went bug mode and killed it. Though. Oh, and shout out, Gust- shout out Gustav Skarsgård. Um, he, he was um, uh, uh, Floki in Vikings and, uh, and he's in it as well in a in a short scene anyway so yes this this, the the cast of this film is murderers row of actors that are working right now uh or 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 highly lauded character actors or um nolan collaborators or you know yeah it's it's just kenneth branagh just expanding his seemingly never-ending repertoire of different facial hair Different mustaches, different accents, accents and different facial hair. Dude, dude's the uh, dude's the white guy chameleon. Um, Yeah, him and Gary Oldman are just he's he's collecting mustaches, and Gary Oldman's just collecting fucking war figures. (laughs) Just that's what that's what they do. That's their thing. Um, obviously, this film uh, has done very very well. It was uh, released on the same. day uh july 21st uh, as uh, barbie um greta gerwig's film there was this whole thing that happened around it where somehow the internet took the fact that they were originally it was like they were pitted against each other like who's gonna do better and then as everything happens on the internet they just kind yeah. of were like no let's 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 destroy the idea of any kind because like people take absurdist mm-hmm. memes to the the upteenth level and degree mm-hmm. all the time like they just like shatter logic and whatever and they just ignore everything and create their own stuff and i mean there's a a picture of a of markiplier's face put on farquad and it just says e and it's hilarious but it's like this is you've taken it too far and so somebody was like yo fuck the competition let's mash them together and started making barbenheimer yeah. comments and barbenheimer graphics and barbenheimer well, t-shirts there is like one specific guy and i think you can probably track it down to the one guy that first tweeted barbenheimer and that dude i think should be paid millions of dollars by universal and <laughs> whoever produced barbie to you know thank him for this fuckery because these both these movies are now like billion dollar movies or like Oppenheimer will probably come close maybe but Barbie's over a billion this shit's crazy which is going I mean apparently I want to talk about Barbie on another thing because I listened to a crazy uh an interview with Greta Gerwig talking about like I haven't seen it yet and I, I actually would like to because this is obviously becoming some kind of like not only cultural but like cinematic like breakthrough of of like the kind of yeah meta IP comedy and like you know like I I and apparently it's really good and really funny and like I'm mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna go see it I'm gonna go yeah and this is like the first time that there's actually been a legit summer blockbuster since fucking like infinity war and endgame and that's the last and that's been what four four years or so like i mean covid yeah that kind of sucks but like you know even 
I don't know. This is even bigger than this was bigger than Top Gun was last year. I think this like even like talk wise, like I mean, Avatar too is huge, but I think you know not as many people are talking about it. Like it's not as big as a cultural phenomenon as much. Like everybody knows Barbenheimer. People are fucking wearing pink. There's fucking songs about it. There's the memes about it. There's just like everything, and you know, it, and that's good, and that's good for yeah. movies and stuff. And it's also good because it makes Tom Cruise look like an asshole for just <laughs> hanging himself off of airplanes. And then nobody's watching the new Mission Impossible. Well, I think I don't. Good, I don't but, know who is who planned that. I think that was like a bad planning thing on their part maybe at the time when they were booking it two years ago release dates or whatever they were like oh yeah like nobody's gonna go like because barbenheimer was a phenomenon like barbenheimer it it encouraged audience to see both films as a double feature with which a large number of people did like a lot of people went and caught saw oppenheimer went for dinner came back and palate cleansed with barbie even though apparently both of them deal a lot with morality and and personal choice and and uh um changing changes in society and you Mm -hmm. know all these like kind of common but you know different contexts but kind of common threads of thought um yeah anyway um it's basically the you know the meme where it's like the smith's lyrics like smith's lyrics it's a funeral but then it's like the smith's melodies and then it's like a it's a park it's yeah. basically the that's the same thing with these movies and even with like the memes of when you see them how it's like the very bleak black and white of Oppenheimer versus the the, the pink, pink of Barbie yeah. but at the core they're all about the destruction of the universe and that's what we're talking about today folks is how we're <laughs> all going to actually remove our genitalia and stare into the explosions in the sky and blind ourselves <laughs> um Anyway, Oppenheimer has grossed um, over $649 million worldwide on a $100 million production bu- budget, making it the seventh highest grossing film of 2023 right now, the highest grossing World War II-related film of all time, the seventh highest grossing R-rated film of all time. It has received critical acclaim across the board with particular praise for its cast, the screenplay, and the visuals. Um well, yeah, that's true. Also for being a biopic, that's fucking nutty. Yeah, like, it's a biopic. Yeah. It's long as shit. It's a, it's a 180 three minutes, hours. three hours. Long the um, and, uh, and also it was released, uh, uh, it was filmed on a combination of 65 millimeter and 65 millimeter large format film uh, and uh, sections for the first time ever in IMAX black and white film photography. Uh, it was the first um film to receive an r rating in the united states or first nolan film to receive an r rating in the united states since insomnia in 2002 uh nolan uses extensive practical effects minimal computer generated imagery and this movie is like as mainline uh you know nolan as you can get outside of his like current kind of cerebral action um or or his action films it's not in fact a very action-packed film now does that mean it's not thrilling there are quite thrilling moments uh in the film 
but it is uh, definitely not, you know, The Dark Knight or Tenant or Inception yeah. or. Yeah, it may have a safety brother in it, but this is not good time. You are not going to be like, holy shit, that man just drank a bottle of acid. Uh, but you are going to be like, holy shit, what the fuck is uh, going to happen? Because uh, this man just invented the atomic bomb. Uh, yeah. I and mean, and the way also shifts. Well, I guess we'll, we'll get into that at some yeah, point. But we'll it get- shifts like perspectives and stuff. And it's it does it has all its Nolan trademarks. But it's interesting how he applies it to a biopic which is yeah, about to a, to a scientific yeah to a scientific character. biopic like get to a real yeah. life person and basing it on the science i mean that's yeah. what he had said in interviews is that he wanted to make the science thrilling now do i think he totally succeeded in that there were times where i was like come on buddy uh three hours is a lot of film um so i guess let's we should just Mm-hmm. Get get right into it. Oh, before we do that, while I'm thinking about it, I did want to shout out uh, Ludwig Gornson, who's just killing it right now, and you know got to start working with with um, Donald Glover, Childish Gambino, and now he's scoring films and working on The Mandalorian and doing all this stuff. So good. I love to see it. I love to see a dude who's a producer just go crazy, and now he's scoring um uh a a a probably at this point i I don't know what the box office is right now but over 600 million dollars uh million dollar movie (laughs) you know that's 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 wild um okay so we should get he also did black panther as well yeah oh yeah he's 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 killing it that's what i'm saying like he's He's going crazy. It's not just this, but like I see his name here and I was like, I just want to shout him out because I'm seeing his name pop up on a bunch of things. And I think part of the things that made me love camp from Childish Gambino was the fact that it was like a kind of rap movie. Like it's very much a cohesive album with very interesting, Mm -hmm. like sonic choices in production. And it's kind of written like a score to a film. And, um, Mm -hmm. And I, I, so to see that fold outwards and outwards and now he's, you know, one of the guys. Yeah. Sick. Love to see it. I yeah. Just, yeah. Also score slaps and also hot take camp childish is best, best album. I don't think that's a hot take. Maybe it, I, I love that album. So like maybe. I'm, well, I, I think the general consensus is because of the internet, but I would say camp, but um maybe it's wrong a conversation we should do an episode on childish Gambino and have that conversation um okay, okay let's talk about it we went to go see it theater was pretty busy it was still a few weeks out and i, I would say the theater was about 80 percent full um went to see it with both of our partners we went and copped the oppenheimer experience uh after the film what did you think were you like yeah this is it or were you like i need to see it again or were you generally please like what what were you thinking was you thinking about it right after seeing it right after seeing it i was thinking mostly about uh sort of the hearing stuff um a lot of that because like i didn't know any of that sort of stuff like i knew some stuff about like the manhattan project and 
you know, and had like Los Alamos and stuff like so I knew some stuff about that already, but mm. I didn't know anything much about like the aftermath. So like So sidebar here, I'm just gonna say to the people who are listening and to you, um, that last podcast on the left, a uh, great podcast about the macabre and bizarre and uh horrific history and all that stuff, true crime. Uh they did like a five part series on the Manhattan Project um in July and June of this year nice. where they covered all of it, a lot of the characters you see in the film, a lot of the, they, they actually having listened to it, it corroborated some of the things that Christopher Nolan actually did do uh, right by historically. Um, one being uh, Truman saying, don't let that cry baby back in my office after Oppenheimer went to him. That was a real thing that like really happened. So it was cool having listened to that and seeing the, the, what parts of the history were true because it was so fresh in my mind, but it's a really deep dive into it. And they also talk about the bombings uh, and, and the stuff that happened outside of, of just Oppenheimer and it will chill you to your core. Um, And I think that that it made uh, having listened to that before seeing this made me um, kind of understand the weightiness of the moral conundrums of this film and what, what, uh, why you know Oppenheimer was seemingly having these this mental breakdown after mm-hmm. such a great success because he understood what what was going to happen and what had happened, um, mm-hmm. uh, which I mean most people will get, but like uh, hearing uh, Henry and Ben and 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 uh, Marcus explain the um, after effects of a nuclear explosion in great detail. Uh, will, you know, add a little sauce to that moral remorse. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's great. Yeah. You should check it out if you like podcasts. I, I hate yeah. to plug another podcast, but it's related. Yeah, um, they're also millionaires. So do they really need our plug? Not no, really. no. <laughs> but, I, but I found it interesting if you liked what, if you were more interested, and they also cover all the Strauss stuff and all the stuff about the clearance and everything yeah. that happens. So, so it's, it's really cool. Um, I also was thinking a lot about the end of the film when we finished it, uh, mostly because of what I heard from a lot of people who quote unquote review movies is that the last hour was boring. When I found the last yeah. hour to be the most interesting and engaging part of the film. Um, yeah. It- <laughs> I mean, my thought was if you're going to cut stuff, cut some of the earlier shit. Like, I don't think you needed to explain a whole lot of like his early like his whole early 20s of going to different schools and picking up stuff like i guess it all does kind of have a point but like there's kind of like some things that you could have left out like you know you didn't need the show that he had all these prior connections to different people perhaps like you could have maybe just like said that in like an aside and saved yourself five minutes of you know, being like, and then he was in Germany, and then he was yeah. in here, and then blah, 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 blah. And then, blah. There, yeah, there were a but bunch of scenes. That last hour was intense. Though, yeah. yeah, there was a bunch of scenes where it was like, oh, like, look how much he loves science. And it's mm-hmm. like, do we need six of these? Do we need him sitting outside of a, out of a, do we really need him to go on a, on a five-minute foray into new mexico to show that he goes to new mexico no you could have just said 
oh, I go to new, I know a place. And then it could have been a voiceover or something or him being like, you know, or him talking to the person being like, I know this place from when I went there with my brother. You didn't need a whole thing where he's like looking up at space being like science. Yes. Science. Yeah. Like it, it just, there, there was a little bit at the, at the start of it that, and I, I get that they were trying to kind of like, with the kind of hallucinations that he's having about science and to show that he's this genius this v- who visualizes things. And, and it comes back later when he's having the, the, the kind of mental breakdown after the mm-hmm. uh, Nagasaki bomb and, and all that stuff. Like it, it all makes, <laughs> makes sense. But I, I feel like if you're going to cut anything, there's some fat to trim there. Um, uh, you really don't need to pound it home how much he loves science if he's the dude who like headed up the Manhattan Project, like you know. Right. Um, but but I mean that was my only gripe. I felt like some of the stuff at the start, maybe I mean, not that it was unnecessary. It could have been handled in a different way. Some parts could have been shortened, or it could have been focused on maybe one longer sequence that covers most of the stuff that's covered in three. Um, also some of this stuff with his, with his wife like you know yeah the, i mean the, i feel like emily blunt could have had a could have done more um i love emily blunt yeah. and i was like did she really do anything i mean in the last part she does she's kind of like don't hurt my husband don't speak ill of the man but then also like there's parts before where it's like where they're like trying to explain her character to, to later explain why she acts, acts the way she acts instead of mm-hmm. just letting her act that way. And you know, the Nolan loves to like explain everything, whether it's visually or actually in the script or, you know, like he loves to kind of like show you, tell you just basically blast you with information. Um, and then just be like, okay, keep an eye out for why this is important later. And then trots along and an hour later, there's like some throwaway line and you're supposed to be like, Nolan, but it's like, yeah, this, this was a bit, he pushed it a little bit here for me. Um, um, and I don't mind it. Like I like tenant and I like exception and I, you know, so, so like I didn't mind it. I just felt like, yeah, I think we're in agreement. I think the last part of the film was actually some of the more interesting, I'd say for me, the from the kind of like they go to Los Alamos to the end was like yeah fantastic. Like it was like almost perfect, except yeah. for the Oppenheimer getting dressed like Batman scene. That yeah, the suit up was pretty tight though. It it's it, it's one of the more weird choices that I've ever seen. And I was talking to it. I was talking about it with my mom last night, who actually brought up a really good point. Christopher Nolan did say that the colored parts of the film are from Oppenheimer's perspective. So they're subjective. That's why you get the kind of magical realism and thing, you know, there are moments where it delves into kind of like an almost, um, uh, what do I want to say? What's the word uh, when you're hallucinatory parts that I think that that's the, and then, then, then in the black and white parts are supposed to be indicative of like reality and what's really happening. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I I understood that pretty 
early on. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty easy to pick up. It's not like it's playing tricks on you. Like you're, it's very obviously like, okay, we're working in two different timelines here. This is obviously going to make sense. And that's like the thing is that, there, like I said, there's a lot of stuff in the first act that could have been cut out. But there's also a lot of stuff in the first act where you're kind of like, okay, well, this is kind of just mundane kind of relationship. But then it comes back in the third act during the uh, the trial, the uh, whatever, the, the hearing, whatever the fuck it's called, the security hearing, the briefing, whatever. But it comes back. So, like, a lot of these relationships, you're like, why did it spend, you know, so long just establishing that he's friends with this person? And then it comes back. And you're like, ah, oh, well, this person's actually a communist. Are you a dirty commie? Huh? huh? Do we have to kill you? And then he's like, no. Like, fuck you, dude. Or, like, you know, even the Florence Pugh, like, uh, the whole plot line of her being like a hot communist that he's banging. And it's like, okay, does, do you really need that? The sort of, like one represent that he's literally in bed with communists and then two to show that you know he's a morally corrupt person in his marriage and it's kind of like you know this is the guy that uh created the fucking atomic bomb i can kind of <laughs> establish that he's maybe a little corrupt and maybe a little stressed out and maybe you know his personal life is probably in shambles because of this and like but like i i, I don't know i guess it's like it's it, it makes it makes sense but at the same time it's like well i i'm glad you brought it up because the gene tatlock character and the kind of heavy-handedness of of that whole thing like oh he meets her at the communist party and they like immediately hook up and she's mm -hmm. the one that makes him re read from the bag davida and so i am i become death the destroyer of worlds while they're banging i kind of gratuitous but whatever yeah. uh and then and then you know they she's hot and cold with him and he wants her but she won't because she's got a partner or he does or they both do and they're going back and forth and then he goes to Los Alamos and he has to cut away all of his communist ties because he's working on the atomic bomb. And so she, she, he, they sees her one more time and says, you know, we can't, can't do this anymore. Like I got to put this behind me and she kills herself. And then he has a breakdown and it's the whole, you know, it's, it's a very heavy handed metaphor for like, yeah, you was in bed with communism and, and and then now he's had to kill that part of himself mm. or let that part of himself die and neglect it to the point that it it problem solves itself type thing. But he's still right. upset about it because he really did love her and da -da 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 and all this stuff. And like I get it, I do, I get it. I, I it's it's all an in, into it's all carefully crafted. This this film mm -hmm. is incredibly precisely crafted. Um, it has its purpose, and I understand his decisions. Like yes. I understand, I understand why everything's there. I understand why it's done. I personally would have probably done it a little differently. Exactly. There you go. But so we're I'm also boat. not, uh, you know, one of the most respected blockbuster filmmakers of the 21st century. So, honestly, I feel like we should probably just make a movie because I feel like we could be. Could I think the two of us together with our minds could could really do some damage, but that's a conversation for another well, time. Yeah, I was talking to some people about uh investing. You know, I I was uh I was doing some talking at the wedding, and I was uh you know getting real nice with some people talking about money. So maybe I'll talk to one of these people that I met. Uh, 
Who knows? Who knows? Maybe we'll make a movie. But Very anyway, nice. back to Oppenheimer. <laughs> I gen- generally liked it, leaving it. Um, I think as time has gone on, I've thought about it more and these thoughts have developed, these kind of nitpicks about some of the stuff in the first half. Now, again, I have to see it again. I say you can't yeah, really yeah. judge a film until you've seen it two or three times. That's my belief. And I've only seen it once. And, and I enjoyed myself thoroughly. I especially enjoyed um, the shift in tone in the third uh, third hour. Um, I like the fact that it went from being about these kind of big morally ambiguous ideas and the change in the world that will happen when atomic energy is unleashed and all that stuff. I I like the fact that it went from like a race against time kind of big idea film to what equates to like a Soderbergh film or a, you know, like men in rooms talking, um, but yeah. men in rooms talking yeah. about about like the implications of what we had watched up to that point. Mm-hmm. And that's what I liked is that all of a sudden it became this like kind of real thing where you you suddenly there's you see the politics behind all of it. You see the the kind of the the way that that the political power was driving people how how in Oppenheimer's mind, he was the one that, um, that he, he did, you know, he, he, <laughs> that he faith for faced this burden, but in reality it was the whole, you know, mechanism of the government and mm-hmm. lots of people were involved and other scientists f- were involved and felt slighted. And, you know, it, it becomes very, very about the, about power and about relationships and about, and less about like, you know, the fate of the universe is changing. You know, it's, it becomes like, Mm. oh shit, now we have to deal with what happens afterwards and people vying for power. And I think Robert Downey Jr. was amazing in this. I hated him. I was like, well, the thing is, is that he's actually really good. Cause if you don't know like the story at all, the movie's very good at establishing in like the first act like oh this is a dude that you know he likes scientists and he respects what they do and he just wants to establish a community where scientists can do scientist shit which is just you know just being insane literally just being insane but quantum you know, physics actually <laughs> but actually creating change it's so i guess it's not insanity cuz you do get a different result but you know if they weren't scientists, they would be psychopaths or something like that. Yeah. Uh, or they are psychopaths. Well, there's nobody who's really morally uh, morally clean in this film, which is another thing I like. That, that, mm-hmm. that nobody, there's no kind of, um, although at times it leans on some heroic tropes. Oppenheimer dressing himself, cough, cough. But... Um, but other times, you know, most of the time it shows that there is, uh, that these people are kind of fallible and scared and there are people who disagree and people who agree and people who talk amongst themselves and, um, you know, that there's this whole kind of dialogue going of what what's morally good. Is it good what we're doing? Is it bad what we're doing? You know, um, is it, you know, and even after it happens, people are excited and and happy but then other other scientists are like man 
man, like they're like, holy shit, look what we did. So like, I like that. And I like the fact that at the end, you know, um, in a way it kind of shows how those scientists were used and abused and kind of um, the corruption of the system behind it. And also it shows that it's not just on them. It's on the whole, whole thing. And that at the end of the day, it's kind of a political game uh, once you reach a certain level and Oppenheimer reached that level by, by, you know, completing the Trinity test and sending off uh, fat man and little boy. And, um, and, and, you know, it showed the, the, you know, his um, moral confusion as those bombs drove away and how he was like, is it good what we did? I don't know, but I need to lean into it because this is, is my good life's that work. I just melted a quarter million people. Yeah. I don't know. Let's find out. Um, is it good that uh, the uh, lasting effects of what I just did will kill millions more for time to come and uh, that land yeah. will never be like habitable again? I don't know, but um, hey, man, I fucked Florence Pugh in office. And she made me read holy texts. Well, not just kidding. That was all just a metaphor for being exposed. Get it? (laughs) Ha ha. Visuals. Ha ha. A visual metaphor. Um, I I will say, um, as far as like cinematography, editing, soundtrack, sound design, this movie rips. Uh, Yeah, the music and the sound is fucking unbelievable. That, yeah, yeah. the part, I'm going to spoil it now because, you know, you got this far. You've obviously probably seen it. Uh, when the Trinity test completes and the bomb goes, there's that countdown in the background. And then he presses the button and the bomb goes off and it's silent. And it's like a minute of silence. And then all of a sudden it's like, boom. And that boom sound like made me like jump in my seat. It was like so loud and realistic. I was like, oh my God, like this kind of scared me. Um, and just in general, like the kind of the score, the the sound design, everything was was excellent. And I do think it is a good script. I do think that there's a lot of stuff in here that Nolan managed to make understandable for for people who don't understand who like the yeah, level for of companies compl- like me, for <laughs> a person that has no idea. It has no fathomable understanding of physics and the implications of what these people created and, you know, how they even achieved it. This is person, this is coming from a person that, you know, hasn't taken math since grade 11. So, yeah. Uh, I, I understood th- everything. Yeah, in the movie, they do a really he does a really good job of parsing down a lot of heavy science and still making it thrilling, um, and still making it the pacing and the editing and the way that it's put together, uh, especially from arriving at Los Alamos onwards, speeds up uh, and and gets to a quite like uh, a feverish crescendo at the Trinity test and it and it it moves along. Um, and I, 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 it's good. I think that, uh, uh, there's a lot of really precise masterclass filmmaking and being done across multiple levels. Uh, and I think all of the performances are great. I don't think anybody really phoned it in. I mean, I think that some of the, um, 
women were not given um, really. I don't want to say that it wasn't. I don't. It's. I don't think it's on the actors actress's fault. Maybe stuff was cut out of it that was more that delved more into them. And obviously, it is a film about uh, Robert J. Op, or J. Robert Oppenheimer. I keep saying Robert J. J. Robert Oppenheimer. Yeah. Um, and so it will be centric on him. And it, you know, the a lot of the film is subjective to his point of view, yeah, which and- may play into it. But I just, I feel, I feel like Emily Blunt and Florence Pugh, to a certain degree, could could have been given a little bit more, and maybe they yeah. were, and it was cut out. I don't know. But I, you know, I also understand that, you know, the uh, the physics community in the earliest 20th century, like from the 20s into the 50s, a bit of a boys club, probably, you know, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I'm yeah. not I'm not the greatest historian, but I could probably assume not a lot of ladies around. And uh, but yeah, no, it is kind of weird that, you know, the, there were two women in the movie, both great actresses and both have, you know, significant roles to play. But if for some reason, both roles just felt oddly diminished yeah and diminished is the word like i potential there i don't think it was Uh, that there was a bad they were bad performances i it feels mm -hmm. like stuff was cut out it feels like there was like a maybe one or two important scenes with emily blunt that were removed for timing Mm -hmm. um and it maybe feels the same for florence Pugh because there's kind of like this um hysterical woman quality to both of them that where they yeah. both seem like super high strung and upset at Oppenheimer. And like, I understand Emily Blunt's character a little bit more because, you know, Jean Tatlock killed herself and then he like lost his mind and went into the wandered right. in the desert. Um, and, uh, and so like, I, I get it, but I just, it feels a bit diminished and I, I hate it because I love both of those actresses so much. So I'm like, here's an idea. Here's an, what if, since we've established that, color the the in color sequences are oppenheimer's perspective and that's why you do get these surreal images what if this is like a way of visually and showing on screen that he doesn't really actually have strong connections with these people and that his connections with women are very you know very surface level like for example florence Pugh. it's like okay we enjoy having these witty conversations and fucking and then with um emily blunt it's literally just oh this is these this is the mother of my children so yeah like, and I she's guess I she's like a, she, so, she'll she's like my unwavering yeah. support i think that could be that he could, just like views them as just like could just people very, that are there that could very well be it that that goes back to the whole oppenheimer getting getting the putting the suit on thing um yeah. i but maybe it could maybe yeah. uh, could have been done a bit different i don't know like yeah. I, I, maybe this is like a modern day american psycho it's all in his head or something it's it's it's, I, I think that for what they're given, they do a great job. I feel like they could be given a bit more. Again, there's some issues with some of the stuff that at the start that I feel like could have been fixed a bit, changed a bit, 
readdressed in a different way. But overall, for for how much information and content you are putting into a three-hour movie, which is quite a lot, like this is quite a lot, like a big feat, it does, does it very well. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously concessions have to be made as filmmakers to what you keep in, what you take out what you change, what is adapted during the process of filming, what, you know, so I get it. I'm not, I, I, I'm not saying Christopher Nolan is misogynist or I, I'm not, it's just, no. I feel like there was something missing and it's a bit diminished, but maybe you're right. Maybe it is because it's supposed to be subjective and his relationship with these women yeah. is quite shallow. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. Or maybe Christopher Nolan is just really bad at writing female characters. Maybe that's just a fact. Who knows? Who knows? It could be. And I mean, this film is also kind of because it was written by uh, Christopher Nolan. Um, I think it's a little bit about himself, too. Uh, uh, and I think he he kind of... Uh, ooh. Palm Reader, you wouldn't say filmmakers put themselves into the metaphors in the films would you <laughs> um imagine fucking there's actually like a film out there where it's about christopher nolan like he can't fall asleep at night because he's like what if we actually destroy the plane huh <laughs> it's, it's literally what if tom actually blows up a football stadium it's just him. It's just him sitting, huh. in, sitting in bed in the Heath Ledger's Joker, just like acting yeah. in a screen in front of his eyes, and he's like, "No, I can't." He was in ten things about I hate about you. I can't. No, I can't get the guy mm. from from Knight's Tale. No, <laughs> and, and then I sudden, crash a plane into an airport. Hmm. Can I do that? I will. I will. Yeah. Um. No, I, you know, I think, I think that there is a, a hint of kind of, uh, you know, ooh, tortured genius creates something that is, that has a lasting effect on, on the field in which he works. Well, I wonder yeah. who that could be. Mr. Mm-hmm. Nolan, um, premier director of, of uh, the modern wave of cinema. Um, but anyway, uh, I think Killian Murphy does a great job. Um, yeah, he's I think, great, but he's nothing to like. I don't think he's gonna like get awards for this, like, because it's very much just Killian Murphy, just sort of being Killian Murphy, just sort of like, like if you if you've seen Killian Murphy and if you've seen Thomas Shelby, like if it's Killian Murphy just being Killian Murphy, he's just like naturally charming, kind of brooding, like, kind of brooding, very sort of like subdued, but his face like can tell you everything you know he's very expressive and like those cheeks you can fucking cut a like a diamond on those fucking beautiful boys mm-hmm. yeah um Man's, but great but yeah robert downey jr that dude's he kills it that this th- is his moment i mean yeah i, I had moments but this is another big moment for him Oh, and you know what? Surprisingly in this movie, well, Casey Affleck shows up as a big surprise as Boris Pash, who is an insane historical figure. If you ever get a chance to look up what he did, he was running around doing spy shit, killing Nazis. He was was nuts. He was so crazy that they were like, just 
send him to Germany and let him hunt Nazis. Like we can't keep him around. He's psycho. Like he was, uh, he was a, a very scary man. Um, and Casey Affleck, first and foremost, with that haircut and with the weight that he gained to play the role, uh, the weight and muscle, yeah. he looked a lot like his brother. Um, I was, I had to do a double take. I was like, that's Kate, that's Casey Affleck. He looks, yeah. he looks like, uh, uh, Ben, he looked Benjamin. They look so similar. Um, uh, also nice to see Josh Hartnett back. I, I always feel like Josh Hartnett was like kind of a guy who is actually really into movies. And then he got, became a heartthrob and then got kind of put in a couple bad spots uh, and made a few bad choices, but he's having a bit of a resurgence and it was nice to see him as uh, Ernest Lawrence, um, uh, Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, Matt Damon. I thought he did a great job. I, I was yeah. um, Matt Damon kind of, even when he's phoning it in, he does a good job. Not saying that he was phoning it in here, but he, he did a really, really good job um, as Leslie Groves. Thanks. It's a very Matt Damon line. It was a very Matt Damon role in which it's like, hey, you get to be serious, but you also get a couple little chuckles in here. Yeah, and so, yeah. You know, and he kills you get it. A couple of, couple, get a couple for me, a couple for you, and, you know, you just see uh, and you get to wear a nice suit and, uh, you know, do something fun. With it. Does he have a mustache? I think he has, like, a mustache. I don't know. It's just a very Matt Damon just being Matt Damon. If you've seen Matt Damon in any sort of, like, his, like, just, yeah, kind of. He's kind of older, old, older, late, like more recent Matt Damon, like The Martian and stuff yeah. like that. He's kind of, he, yeah, he, yeah, he's like yeah. settling into like his like sort of Tom Hanks era now too. He is. Like, I love Matt Damon that, though. So yeah. shout out Matt Damon. Yeah, yeah, I love Matt Damon. Um, huge Matt Damon fan. Benny yeah, Safdie killed it. Killer that I mean, he, he was very convincing as whatever the fuck uh, Edward Teller is, whatever evil country he came from. I don't he know. is the man who uh, he was a Hungarian American theoretical physicist who is known colloquially as the, yeah, for the father of the hydrogen bomb. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, no, Benny Safdie killed it as a very scary Hungarian um, man. He's his range is uh very good because so far i know him as scary hungarian and mentally challenged bank robber uh so those are <laughs> quite the range um of course benny safty one of the safty brothers another yeah. uh, exciting and electric group of filmmakers new filmmakers uh making mm -hmm. movies another person who showed up in this that i mentioned before who i was very happy to see was jason clark Jason Clark, you might know him from uh, Zero Dark Thirty, um, White House Down, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Um, he's been in some horror films. I think he was in a Terminator movie. But um, but he plays uh, Roger Robb, the, uh, um, uh, I believe it's a, a, a trial attorney and a circuit judge uh, that um, he was the special counsel to the Atomic Energy Commission hearing that led to the re revocation of J. Robert Oppenheimer's security clearance in 1954. And he uh, he's obviously been charged by Strauss to, uh, to basically force this board to remove his security clearance as a kind of retaliatory uh, uh, plan um, that was set in motion. And Jason Clark, 
I, I actually really like him as an act. I love Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. I mean, we are going to do the new Planet of the Apes trilogy. It's going to happen. I'm going to force you to rewatch them because Apes Together Strong. Koba. Okay, that's... Easy. That's, <laughs> I, I that's, you're you're acting like it's gonna be like you know hard to make oh, me watch yeah, yeah, yeah. it's easy it's easy um, it's a joy I, I love those Thanks. movies and uh, <laughs> please duplicate you. me thank you um, <laughs> I I don't know for some reason people that's I, I've gone on the rant before about those movies and I think that they're like incredible um, but Dawn oh, is rip. is like probably my favorite and he is excellent in that and. Um, He's excellent in this, and he he really gets under your skin, uh, much like Robert Downey Jr. Um, now that you've had some time to think about it, do you have any like uh, uh, you know some some any thoughts as time goes on? Uh, anything that any nits you'd like to pick, or anything that you'd like to praise? Uh, yeah, no, I think overall, like I I think it's like a near perfect movie it's almost there and it may be like his like technically his best film yet like it may be his most digestible by you know by just the average person because you know a lot of people might not fuck with tenet like stuff like tenet or inception they might just be like well that's just silliness or like interstellar they might just be like well this is fucking stupid like some people aren't into like weird, crazy sci-fi stuff, but this one kind of met it in the middle where it's like, okay, I'm going to do some crazy science, but this is going to be science nonfiction. Like this is going to be, I don't know. It's a sci-no-fi film, I guess. Like it's very real and it, it takes, it encapsulates everything from his, uh, filmography like all the shit that he likes doing like so timeline stuff he loves doing that sort of shit uh you know soundscapes that's huge you know you can hear everything in this movie i am you know practical effects it has all of that you know morally uh not corrupt but you know all of his characters have some sort of inner turmoil or something like there's always huge huge um what's the word i'm looking for uh i don't know it's like a there's a huge like high risk high reward sort of stuff is his character so it has all the trademarks and his things and i think he found a perfect story that exists in the real world that is as big as the fucking bonkers stuff that he comes up when he writes his movies like it's kind of crazy that like it seems like he was the perfect it's kind of crazy that no one's made a fucking movie about Oppenheimer yet it's like this happened 70 years ago and no one's thought to make a movie about the dude that fucking created the most dangerous fucking bomb that created the cold war. Like it's just, and until now, until now. And I think it was the perfect thing for him. And I think he did it so well. I think I've kind of like on like I, one of my immediate thoughts was this may be his best movie yet, but I kind of need to rewatch stuff. I need to rewatch this one. But it it may be it may be 
it's definitely in the upper echelon of his filmography for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And um, I guess one thing that we forgot to mention when we were talking about the screenplay, which the first screenplay written by Nolan in, in the first person, um, large swaths of this was written in the first person. And and um, I think that and it's a very much about the kind of te- like he said, the texture of the film is about being how the personal interacts with the historic and the geopolitical um, and wanted it to make kind of like a, a cautionary tale and explore many of the themes that he already talked about, like the, the you know, the, the kind of broken man changing the world, the, mm-hmm. the you know, uh, ramifications of science, the, you know, all these things that he's come, he's talked about time and time again in his films in big ways and small ways. Um, he did say, I think of any character I've dealt with Oppenheimer is by far the most ambiguous and paradoxical, which given that I've made three Batman films is saying a lot. Um, so like he was horny for it and I'm glad that he did it because I think that he did imbue this story with a sense of, um, depth that mm-hmm. like moral depth and, and complexity that was needed because if this was like just some, you know, rah-rah American director, it would have kind of portrayed the whole thing as like a... Yeah, uh, like if this was a Ron Howard movie, this would have been the b- biggest piece of shit ever. Like, I agree. And, you know, Ron Howard's made some fucking banging-ass movies. But if he were to make this movie and it was like fucking Apollo, uh, whatever one, that one he made, or the cha- what was the Challenger movie? Uh, but yeah. It would just not be the same, but I think, like like I said, I think this was the perfect movie for Nolan that, you know, just has all of his stuff already built into the story. Mm. Yes, and uh, it's it's funny because Emily Blunt said that the script was emotional and resembled that of a thriller while also remarking that Nolan had Trojan horsed a biopic into a thriller, which is actually a very smart... Um, I'm sorry, I'm just going through my notes. A very smart thing that, uh, uh, that the very smart way of explaining the film, because that's what it is. It is a very exciting film. And that's the thing is that like that in many ways, it still retains, as you said, like a lot of the kind of cinematic DNA of Nolan, but Mm -hmm. it's also, I think very much, um, uh, a, um, like a a kind of like it's a, it's a very much a heavy film but it's also a subjective film and and it's very much I, I like that how he said it's kind of where the personal interacts with the intersects with like geopolitical and and, and historical facts um mm-hmm. and i think he did pretty well historically as far as like you know keeping uh um uh, uh kind of keeping a, a lot of truth in there of course, it is subjective, and some things, uh, 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 some things were kind of embellished and whatever. But um, yeah, but yeah, no, I think I think it's a great film. I I don't, I don't know if it's his best film. Um, I think it I may mean, be his objectively best in certain, uh, in certain areas. Like I think, I think sound design wise, this is like as good as he's ever done, or or he and his crew have ever done. 
I think cinematography wise, this there's some shots in this that were uh, quite jaw dropping. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think kind of like aside from one or two films, this is like a kind of feels like a big swing for him to do something completely different and to have that tone shift in the last hour and to kind of like forego science fiction for science fact. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think it's good. I I have to see it again, but I I don't know if I would rank it at his, as his absolute best. I think another problem with this is that you, you have to, we'd have to wait two years, you know, or or five years and be like, and we kind of have to see like what this does. Like, are huge are there going to be huge blockbuster because the only other person that's doing huge blockbuster biopics is fucking uh ridley scott and ridley scott's been doing dumbass big ass movies for forever <laughs> shout out ridley scott shout out ridley scott i'm so stoked for napoleon i'm gonna go see that shit that shit's gonna be wild but like you know but Ridley Scott, he's he's making movies just because he's he loves it. And I don't think he's trying to, you know, be, you know, perceived as this best, greatest filmmaker ever. But I think Christopher Nolan is like he's trying to make his films these huge things that you need to go see. Like you need to go see this in IMAX, you need to see it in 70 millimeter, because like these are the things whereas like I think really Scott's just like, fuck yeah, watch my movies. My movies are sick. And everyone's like, hell yeah, dude. I fucking love that shit. Hell yeah. I'm going to go see whatever you make. But I I don't know. Like, Because if gun to my head, if you put a gun to my head right now and said, what is the best Christopher Nolan movie on a technical level? I would have to say Dunkirk. But like my favorite Christopher Nolan movie like could change. It could be The Dark Knight. It could be Batman Begins. Hell, if you get yeah. me on a really fucking spicy day, I might say Memento if I'm trying to be a fucking like hip dickhead. Hell, <laughs> if I watch Interstellar on like a day where I'm feeling really sad, I might cry so hard where I say that's his best movie. Because Interstellar, even though the whole love can transcend love and love transcends time and space even though that's kind of a stupid corny ass theme bro i love some fucking melodramatic shit and if you're gonna tell me this dude was knocking books over just so he could send a message to his daughter that's some fucking hard shit and that's gonna make me cry and you know i don't know however this is this is like looking at this now, okay, so we're getting to the to the the power ranking yeah. of it all here. Yeah. Looking at let's just break down the films that he's made and then and then shake ourselves because it's kind of crazy. So, yeah. we'll start from the most recent being Oppenheimer. Mm-hmm. Um the one before that was Tenet, then yeah. Dunkirk, then Interstellar. Then The Dark Knight Rises, then Inception, then The Dark Knight, then The Prestige, then Batman Begins, then Insomnia, Memento, and Following. Now. Yes, so that's 12 films over 25 years. There's some short films. Uh, Doodle Bug. Yeah. Uh, yeah um, I've never seen his short films. And- yeah, Larceny, Tarantella, yeah. Cinema 16, British short films. Yeah, unless uh, they're like quite... in the special features of like on like 
one of his early movies. Like, I doubt. I mean, knowing him, you can since it's Nolan. I'm sure somebody's probably uploaded it to YouTube. I'm sure it's somewhere, but I've um, never seen any of them. But so. like, let's okay. So I'm gonna. God, this is crazy. This is hard, guys, because these yeah. are all these movies. Like yeah. I said, almost everything he's done is is. I would say even better than good is great. Mm -hmm. And then there's some stuff that's excellent. And it can, as Otis mentioned, it can change day to day. But let's, I'm going to throw some names. Okay, we're going to talk S tier. So top, top tier. I'm going to, I'm going to throw, throw as far as S tier. Oh my God, this is so hard. Okay. So, okay. So if we're going to go S tier, my three for S tier would be, Dark Knight, Interstellar, and Dunkirk. I might. I'm okay. Okay, let's say yes. Okay, okay. then for my A tier. So this is this is S tier is super tier. A tier is yeah, yeah. is excellent. Yeah, yeah. I would put Inception. Tenet, The Prestige, and, and Memento? I'd probably go Memento, Batman Begins, Prestige. That's... Okay, Maybe. but then I take Umbridge at that rises? because I, I think I The know. Dark Knight Rises is is better than Batman Begins. Is that blasphemous See, I, to I say? Think, I, I think you might technically be right just because the opening airplane scene is one of the greatest sequences of all time. Uh, however, the third act of Dark Knight Rises drags too long. But I just personally enjoy Batman Begins because it was finally a good origin story that didn't feel like a fucking, it was like the first superhero movie that didn't feel like it was like trying to be a superhero movie. And you know, it was, which he perfected in the dark Knight. Like he, yeah. I mean, the dark Knight is the greatest superhero movie. of This is really splitting hairs. I mean, if we're going to be okay, if we're going to actually dark Knight's also like a very derivative movie, like, the opening scene is heat. Like there's yeah. a lot of stuff. Like the whole dynamic is just heat. like the movies. It is heat. It All right. Is, okay. Can we like, say? Can we say? Okay. If the tiers are S, A, B, C, and D, I don't think he has a C or D film. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. For sure. So we can take those out. So now we're just S, A, and B. So yeah. Master masterwork, excellent, very good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or good. So, I mean, following is good. Following whatever the lowest. So even if I would say the, following, following and insomnia. would be a C, maybe insomnia. I would give a B, but following uh, it's forgettable. And also, if you've seen Darren Aronofsky's Pie, you might they might kind of blend together because they're both have like the very sort of same aesthetic and they're both kind of about the same person. And more I try to th- remember following, I'm like, am I just thinking of pie? 
I don't know. But Insomnia is actually a really good, highly underrated film, actually, I would argue. And, like, one of the best Robin Williams roles against type, like, fantastic it's uh, insomnia insomnia is definitely b i would put insomnia b yeah, i yeah. might put mm-hmm. following at b too because i don't really remember the darren aronofsky film uh but maybe if i is saw it, it again following is he like is he like a kleptomaniac or something or yeah like, uh okay. uh he like he keeps stealing shit <laughs> he lives in an apartment that's what i know he lives in like a walk-up apartment in like London, like I've definitely seen the movie. Yeah, it's visually... got the same name as the dude in Inception, Cobb, and he uh, he he like tells him about how he steals stuff. Okay, like brings him into the world, uh, uh, and the guy's like a. I can't. I don't really remember a lot of following. I remember I liked it. I like insomnia. I think it's good. I so yeah. for me, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna give my I'm gonna speak mine. I'm gonna do it now. I think S tier is okay. I can't say for certain if Oppenheimer's S tier or if it's A tier. I don't know yet. I need to see it again. Yeah, that that is so, my uh, position as well. So I I'm not gonna it's put on the, the fence. It's, it's on the fence, but in the upper half, it's yeah. it's definitely good. Dunkirk S tier, one of my favorite war movies, incredible film. We did an episode on it. We will probably redo that episode in our new format eventually. Um, in, for me, uh, the Dark Knight redefine comic book films I, to a lesser degree batman begins but i think the dark knight even if it is derivative at times of other stuff i think it r- really mm-hmm. shifted the needle i think that's an s tier um yeah. i'm also actually i'll say inception's s tier i think inception is probably one of the smartest and most well made uh uh sci-fi action films ever um now, can I say a hot take? Yeah, I got I got hot takes. You don't like Inception? I, think, I not that I don't like Inception. I think it's his most overrated movie easily. I think it's not as smart. Once you've seen it once, and you're like, oh, okay, cool. It, I think it doesn't matter. It's like <sighs> I don't know. Like what? What at the end are you supposed to be like? Is it spinning? Does it fall? It's like who gives a shit? It doesn't matter. That's the thing about his movies. When you think about, if you think about it too much, you're just fucking playing yourself. And that's the thing about people in Tenet. And I've said this so many times. If you watch Tenet not thinking about it, it's such a better movie. When you try starting to like wrap your head around the actual science and stuff behind his movies, you're missing the fucking point. Like it's entertainment. And like yeah, I, when when you break Inception down, I think of all his movies it's the dumbest Mm. um yeah i mean i i i don't necessarily disagree with you but there's a lot of stuff in this film that i think is yeah like i I think in many ways city turning on itself that's fucking crazy i think in many ways inception and oppenheimer have a lot in common inception has a great ensemble cast including killian murphy um i think that it's yeah. it it in 
in a different way. It, it has a very textural uh, um, filmmaking style. It kind of oozes this cool. Um, I think that, that, that Tenet to a degree takes what Inception, the kind of hard sci-fi action ideas of Inception and like kind of like injects it with steroids. And in some ways it works, but in other ways it's done better in Inception, I think. But, but I think that there are parts in Tenet that are incredible. Um, the whole sequence played forward and in back, like the fact that the whole movie is a temporal pincer is like so sick, so sick. Um, and how he managed to get scenes where people were being moving in backwards like yeah. through four, there like is. just some stuff like, all right. Okay. We're, I'm going to be honest with you. Like I like all of almost all of these movies. No, I, I like all of these yeah. movies. I, I like the one I just, this is, Absolutely. this is very hard because you're saying it's like picking your fate like this. Who was it that we were talking to? I said, did pound to pound for pound best filmography of late. Uh, that was uh Villeneuve. I think that that yeah. Nolan is is neck and neck with him now. Looking at this stuff and having revisited Interstellar a couple months mm-hmm. ago, um, I think Interstellar is fantastic. I think yeah. The Dark Knight Rises is it's not as good. The problem with The Dark Knight Rises is that it follows The Dark Knight. That's the problem. Is that yeah. The Dark Knight is like like near perfect and. The Dark Knight Rises, yeah, obviously. I, mean, I would some say thing. The Dark Knight is a perfect movie. It yeah, is, like, um, I don't know. <laughs> and and it you know, simply is the Prestige is I think incredibly underrated and super cool. Um, and I one I, of the and also one of the best like twists reveals ever, perhaps. Yeah, uh, and yeah. also just having, um. Uh, uh, Hugh Jackman and and Christian Bale and uh, uh, Michael Caine, the frequent collaborator who he traded out for all the new guys. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I like hired New York team. Yeah, I like <laughs> Batman Begins. I do, and I I like The Dark Knight Rises. But if it has to be one of those three that's going to be at the top of the mountain, it's The Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like Dunkirk is S tier, and I feel like. I think that Inception is probably a bit better than Tenet, but it's very close. Um, would you put Inter- Interstellar in S tier, or would you put that in A tier? Because there's, well, the there's some issues. There's some issues with Interstellar. Well, that's the thing. Is well, that here's the thing: Inception, Interstellar, Tenet, all highly entertaining movies for different reasons. You know, Inception and Tenet, far more action-packed. Interstellar has a lot of great um, sort of, like, emotional things and, like, just ponders a lot of great ideas of, like, you know, I, I think it's, it's just a visually stunning movie. Uh, there's And, you know, I am... I also love Matthew McConaughey and Anne Hathaway. Those are also, like, two of my favorites. So maybe I'm... No, no, no. I'm, I'm right there with you. It's... But, uh, but Interstellar, if you peel Interstellar back, same thing as Inception. It's stupid as fuck. Interstellar's so stupid. Tenet, 
also you can kind of peel it back, but it's also like kind of so actually the science act in it actually is oh, kind yeah. of it's, like it's like wooey woo. There's a lot of wooey woo. There's a lot of wooey woo in his stuff. Like he does hard sci-fi wooey woo stuff, you know, wormholes, dreams, memories, uh yeah, you know, space time, you know, all that different yeah. stuff. Like I got you got you, yeah. This is hard, folks. Yeah. I, I don't know I don't how know. I can. This is, this is tough. Can we agree? Okay. Dunkirk, The Dark Knight. Those two, absolutely. S tier. Absolutely. You, I will. Yeah, I would. Yeah. Easy. Those two. Are we yeah. going to say Interstellar is S tier? I see. I don't know. I see. I would say yes, but that's just a preference. All right. No, I'll give it. I'll do that because I do. If if we say Interstellar is S tier, can we say Inception is S tier? And then that's four. We've got four. I, if you were to say, if you were to tell somebody, yeah. hey, these are the four Nolan films you should watch: Dunkirk, Interstellar, Inception, and The Dark Knight. That sounds about right. I would trade Inception for Memento. Mmm. Keep forgetting about Memento. Memento was a movie. Okay. There, yeah, yeah, yeah. Memento was yeah, yeah. one of those movies for me where it's like there was a time before right. seeing I, Memento and a time after seeing Memento. And I know that is such a fucking first year film school thing, but like seeing this movie, seeing that movie in first year film school and like breaking it down, that was like that's that was a moment for all me. All right. I, like, I think okay. I think I can finish this without any without any without throwing hands yeah all right so we're gonna say the dark knight interstellar dunkirk and memento s tier yes lock it in lock it in a tier will be the prestige inception tenet and it's kind of a tie for dark knight rises and batman begins like I yeah, it's it's got to be one or the other. I I would say Batman Begins, and, and I would, would probably say, say The Dark Knight Rises. Rises. But that's yeah. okay. So that's different. And yeah, then so B tier would be for you The Dark Knight Rises, um, Insomnia, Following, and uh, and what am I missing? Oh, we forgot. Oh, wait. Well, I think we just blanket said Oppenheimer's between S and A. Uh, for me, I I would put Tenet as uh, like a B tier. For me, I don't know. Tenet, Tenet was just like a good, silly movie. I don't know. I was like, I don't know. Tenet didn't blow me away, but I definitely was like, that's fucking cool. There was a lot of shit in there. That's yeah, like, you know what? Usually... I, you know what? Let's move down. Let's move. All right. So I think I got it. Okay. S tier. Dunkirk, Interstellar, The Dark Knight, and Memento. Yeah. A tier. Oppenheimer with a potential to move up. But yeah. right now, because we've only seen it once and we need to see it again. It was excellent, but it, we don't we aren't quite sure. Oppenheimer yeah. is in A tier. Uh Inception is in A tier. The Prestige is in A tier. And then for for you, it's Dark Knight Rises. For me, it's Batman Begins. Yes. And then for B, or B tier, it's for you, Dark Knight Rises. For me, Bat Knight, Batman Begins. Tenet, Insomnia, 
And then the C tier would be following. Yeah. Does that sound yeah. right? That sounds about right. That's as accurate as I can get it right now. Again, I can't believe I we I can't believe we watch- we split this down. And this is coming down to percentages, folks, because like really, if you were like, hey, you want to watch Dark Knight Rises? I'd be like, yeah, sure. If you were like, yeah. hey, you want to watch Dunkirk? I'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> like, hey, any want- one of these movies to me, I would say yes. Let's yeah. Watch it. And that's yeah. and so to me, and also I'm trying to remove the bias of like my my love for for um uh uh you know like my yeah. my personal love for movies and the, my histories with them because mm-hmm. you know for if we're going on on purely based on personal history and nostalgia inception would be an s for me but i can see yeah. your point that that it yeah would i be... mean i guess i i mean yeah i guess inception and I don't know. Interstellar. Yeah, those are ours where we have a personal connection to those. So they kind of have weight to it. But also, like Inception, the hallway scene, goat's fucking scene. The first time you see the ending, yeah, that's fucking tight. But like after after you hear some people talk about, like, was he in a dream? Was he alive? It's just like, man, doesn't matter. Well, but I think, I I think, I think that what, what, why I, it ultimately seceded to saying that interstellar would be an S tier is that I think it's such a big swing. Like, I yeah. think that, that much like Oppenheimer, that this movie, that interstellar was a, was a big attempt mm-hmm. and the sound design, the visual effects, the, um, the themes, the hard sci-fi-ness of it all, uh, and to make such a big swing um, and have a movie that's like has kind of thoughts behind it and meaning and stuff. I think I think that that's what raises it above the exceptional masterwork of Inception, even if there are parts yeah. of Interstellar that I don't necessarily like as much. I could see it being a more cinematically meaningful not necessarily culturally meaningful but like to cinema interstellar might be the one with more weight um i mean kind of i don't know they're they're actually i don't know i think they're pretty neck and neck even because i was trying to think of other factors both of them have phenomenal Hans Zimmer scores like Mm -hmm. the the fucking cornfield chase song is now in if you scroll on social media you'll probably see a video that has that fucking music oh yeah the fact that inception the whole score is just one song at slowing down fuck that's okay i wish i could make (laughs) one song and get paid however much fucking Hans Zimmer gets paid to score a movie like one song your reaction to that was crazy it's just one song slowed down fuck okay <laughs> it is dude it's wild and it's it's so hard it's crazy. yeah this is like honestly again on any given day these yeah. or this arrangement this could, could change, change tomorrow this <laughs> could like, change five minutes dude i yeah we could talk ourselves into completely uprooting it and changing stuff here because yeah. we'll we'll remember something small that happened but but 
ultimately, I think it's safe to say, as we've said time and time again, all of these films are enjoyable. Like I would pretty probably watch any of them. um, And I will definitely watch whatever he puts out next. And I would definitely rewatch Oppenheimer. Um, Some people who who love his films might not like Oppenheimer because it's not as uh, action oriented. And it's more of a kind of, as Emily Blunt said, a biopic Trojan horse inside of a thriller. Um, But high quality, you know, like I said, we're, 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 we're splitting hairs here. This is down to literally like, I mean, Interstellar and Inception, neck and neck. Batman Begins, Dark Knight Rises, kind of neck and neck. Um, I can't say enough about how much I love The Prestige, though. That movie, just absolutely great. Yeah, that's um, kind of a, a dark horse, just absolute banger. Not enough people talk about that movie. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a slapper. If you... It's about magicians, but it's about so much more. It's like a sci-fi and it's magician. About science. Yeah, it's about sci- it's like so a sci-fi magic science. movie. Yeah. It's super dope. It's so good. Um Spoiler alert, David Bowie is Nikola Tesla. Hardest oh, casting. So sick. So sick. Yeah. And Andy Serkis yeah. as his little helper. Yeah. And Andy Serkis goes, I was like, oh my God, it's Andy Serkis. Um <laughs> Yeah. Uh, another thing we could say about his films, um, the casting in almost all casting of them is impeccable. Uh, and you know what? I'm actually going to go out on a, on a, just, just on a statement here. One of my favorite things about Tenant is Robert Pattinson. I think Robert Pattinson's a, yeah, he's a is king a, is an absolute king. That dude, um, yeah. and I mean, I f- him in that movie. So good. Him in good time. Uh, lighthouse uh dude robert pattinson is low-key winning top five best actor he's, he's, he's like easily he's gonna he's gonna hit one pay. he's gonna get one i mean he's already like he's, lauded he's by in he's in it right now like he's in it like he's like doing the shit he's doing right now is like what Al Pacino is doing in like the early seventies where he's just playing these like fucking dirty, gross, shitty characters that he's just fucking so good at. He's just so good at cashing a, cashing a check, playing uh, emo Batman. Um, Yeah, dude. And also fucking being actually just being good at it. And this is all coming from the dude that was vampire sexy man. Yeah. Or like, and even he was like, yeah, fuck that. I need money, dude. I need money. So I did that. I did the fucking Harry Potter business. And now I'm here to make weird art movies. And I'm fucking here for that shit. Oh, Hell yeah. Interestingly enough, Interstellar and Inception point one points away on the stars on IMDb. So they are really neck and neck. I take umbrage with Dunkirk having a 7.8. What's wrong with you? Um, Dunkirk is know. is beautiful. It's an incredible war film. It is crazy. Yeah, that has some of the best war, just some of the best war sequences ever. Like, just insane. Like, every time there's a plane, like, flies by that movie, you feel like you're about to get bombed. And, like, it's... Yeah. That, yeah, I don't like the fact that there's not... I don't I don't like that fact. Um, uh. Y- it's yeah we're gonna have to see i mean i'm gonna take a look here oppenheimer right now on it 
is also in the same same range, point one away from uh, from from um, Interstellar and Inception. And I think honestly, like if we're not going, I don't know why we're sticking it to a certain number. We shouldn't stick it to a certain number because I do think Interstellar and Inception are both both S tier. I think I think Dunkirk is S tier. I think The Dark Knight yeah. is S tier, and Absolutely. and Oppenheimer is probably S tier. I put it in A because yeah. I was like, well, I need to rewatch it again. But like, it's very, very critically, yeah. cinematically, culturally lauded and and appraised. Mm-hmm. So you know, um, uh, but then also, you know, Batman Begins is great. Dark Knight Rises, Fucking sick movie. It's great. It's I mean, all of movie. all of his films are the ratings are like. I don't think there's one under eight. So it's like we're really splitting right. hairs here. As far as what we, you know, I don't know. Go watch some of these movies. If you haven't seen some of Christopher Nolan's films, specifically if you haven't seen Memento, um, his first kind of like breakout film, uh, amazing film, great Guy Pierce performance. Yeah. Um, And fucking uh, Joey Pantolino in it was. Every time he's in a movie, I always get stoked. Joey Pants. Joey Pants. He's in Memento, Bad Boys, and Sopranos, and I think that's it. (laughs) No, he's in so much shit. (laughs) Um, But I always enjoy seeing him. This is Um, really. This is again. We're we're really. uh, I I do think pound for pound, this he's he's neck and neck with uh, people like uh, uh, um, Denny who are making films right now. I mean. Denis, bit more. Well, they're making high quality blockbuster Hollywood movies. They're making movies within the system. That's the thing. Like, yes, there are filmmakers that I think are doing like shit that you know is more attuned to like what I like, like the Safdie brothers. I love what they're doing, or like, uh, or like what like Ty West is doing, or you know, a lot of. You know, people are Robert Eggers. A lot of people are doing like A twenty four movies. So I love that shit. But studio, know, but whatever. big studio but, filmmaking. But that's huge, that. huge studios, like two hundred million dollar, hundred million dollar budgets, excess, and it's not a Disney piece of shit. It doesn't look like like that's the thing. That's the thing about this fucking Oppenheimer. Also, hundred million dollar budget, all the special effect sequences, and like you know, big wow moments look better than any 300 million dollar marvel piece of shit that's come out in the last four years they all yeah, marvel's just look been the same marvel's been kind like, of after endgame marvel's been kind of letting me down still love shang chi yeah. still like some of the tv shows yeah. i haven't seen guardians of the galaxy 3 yet so that i maybe. watched it it was okay it, it had a i i liked how it ended I, I i liked it i certainly liked it and you know what it actually it put a tear in my eye at the end i well, was like you know you what go. james gunn you put a good cap in it is it the best in the series no it's not but and is it even like it's not even like but it's but the thing is that's how shitty Marvel movies have gotten recently. <laughs> that a mid like, Guardians movie is like, yeah, that's that's, that's it, the baby. One. That's yeah. what I would um, like. Like it's it I think it's better than the second one, but no not as good as the first one. Yeah, the first one's like was like crazy. The first one was like one of the best things ever. It was yeah. like, oh shit, Marvel's like actually doing shit. Sick. Okay, um, cool. 
Yeah, definitely been let down by them lately. And I definitely agree with you. And also, you know, all the practical effects and the fact that they actually blew up a not a nuclear bomb, but a bomb with the same energy as a nuclear bomb, but just like a different type of bomb because you can't blow up a yeah. nuclear bomb. Uh anyway, um yeah, I Oppenheimer, I good, great, possibly amazing. Uh, uh amazing. Um, not without its flaws. Uh, which is, and I think it's important to have those discussions. Uh, I think that's something that, uh, but but I think it's also important to frame those discussions in um, kind of a one suggest subjective and two constructive way instead of just being like this movie fucking is ass yeah. because uh, Twitter told me you know like or X whatever it's called. I deleted my account. Um, but anyway. I think right. that it's important to be able to look at something and point out the things you liked and the things you didn't like. And it's okay to dislike some things, some parts of something that is everybody else likes. You, know, you can look at something and say, you know what? I don't really, this, this didn't really jive with me. And obviously Otis, Otis, Otis and I feel the same way that the ending was actually quite riveting, even though a lot of mm-hmm. quote unquote reviewers were like, it was boring. I don't know why they changed it. Why no, did they do? I liked it. And I'm like, What's you said it earlier. It reminds you of a Soderbergh movie. And I think that is actually so fucking perfect. And that's actually what I was trying to think of when talking about Matt Damon. It kind of reminded me a lot of his roles in Soderbergh movies where he plays these like, uh important people but they just seem so normal and i think that's what matt damon's good at like he's good he's good at just being an everyman like i mean this isn't new he is like just an everyman type of guy but yeah no the when you said soderbergh it that is such a where it's very tense even when seemingly not much is going on it's always very tense and there's not big action moments in it but there are big emotional moments and big turns and you know like for example in the moment when they realize oh the nazis are trying to do water-based stuff like fucking idiots fucking dumb nerds fucking germans suck okay we're in the lead like that's such a huge moment and it's just them realizing some nerdy dumb shit that like (laughs) you or i couldn't fathom so incredibly smart it's it's stupid to us yeah Um, exactly well and as we said that power ranking could change but um you know what i like having the tiers i don't think we'll do numbers i think numbers is too too i think the next the next power rankings we do we'll we'll do we'll stick with the tiers uh because i'd like to do more um and uh and yeah and i think it also is good because maybe there might be some directors where like okay we need to add c d e f and we need to go because some there maybe there's some great directors that we might talk about that have, have some have some, some stinkers, stinkers. but no one says he won there's some stinkers in there. But or no, we do like Coppola, some stinkers. <laughs> but no, Nolan yeah. has been fairly consistent. I'm sure yeah, if yeah. we do a Villeneuve one after Dune two, at Dune Part two, it'll be a, uh, the, the, it'll be fairly consistent. I hope. Knock on wood. Um, but uh, but it was also a good chance to talk about the directors and revisit movies that we you know might do an episode on or or uh, that we've already done an episode on and and uh, talk about them a bit. But overall. Yeah. Good time at the movies seeing Oppenheimer. Yeah. I'm definitely going to see Barbie as well. I want to have a conversation about that at some point. And, uh, and we'll be back. Uh, at, 
our release time schedules are a little bit off because we're both working and things are going on. As we said, this is probably going to be coming out on a Monday instead of a Sunday. Uh, I assume the next one will probably be coming out on a Sunday, uh, but it may come out on the Monday. I don't know. Uh, we may record it at the cottage and then, you know, and then, but, but then we're still at the cottage yeah. the next weekend. So I, I, I don't know exactly how it's going to work, but once we hit the fall, once things get a little bit more stable, we're not traveling. My medical stuff gets, you know, set. I don't have as many appointments, you know, all that stuff. We'll get into a regular scheduled stuff and we'll hit some of the things that we had planned to do more of in the summer. Um, and some of the topical episodes that we we had planned to do and, and uh, you know, episodes on movies and certain artists and stuff. But um, but thank you for bearing with us. If you haven't checked out the last couple episodes we put out, we did do a Lazy Bird. Then we did one on Pirates of the Caribbean with uh, with Pirate Mike. And that was a lot of fun. And then we had Jason on to talk about Monolith. And we talked about some heavy music that you should be listening to now. Uh, and, uh, and um, uh, you know. Oh, and also, just on a totally different. Did you listen to the new Star So Far song? Yeah, the song slaps. Yeah, is on repeat. God yes. damn, I can't wait for them to. They're going to put out a new album soon. Sorry, I said music and it made me think of it. Um, if you haven't listened to it, listen to Big Blind, new story so far track. We did an episode on them, yeah. and I am Sounds very like they're, excited. Uh, self-titled, which yeah. is my favorite album. So very, yeah. very excited to hear uh, what where they go with it. And I really like the single. I played it. Mm-hmm like 50 times (laughs) so good um yeah so so we'll have some more episodes coming for you leading up until you know throughout this throughout august into september they might be a little bit off or a little bit early when they drop but we'll get back into a regular schedule in the fall once we've settled in and all things are uh, a little bit more normal nobody's getting jumped nobody's getting the uh, diabetic diagnoses uh you know, all that stuff. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, and nobody's forgetting their microphone back in Canada when they go to PA. That was my fault. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, guys. Uh, Sorry, oh, guys. Um, uh, thank you all for listening. Um, I don't really have anything to promote. I've been too busy dealing with my life to finish, to finish this palm reader stuff. It is coming. It will come when it comes. Life's just crazy right now, obviously. Um, but, uh, uh, I guess that's pretty much it. Oh, we're almost at the, 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 the three year anniversary of, uh, of mind to keep distant, the instrumental anxiety weekend album I put out in 2020. If you feel like going and checking that out, that would mean a lot to me. Um, I, uh, I definitely, uh, uh, I'm really proud of that project. And, uh, I think the anniversary is today when this is dropping. So go check it out. Please definitely go check that out. Um, for me, uh, just one thing of housekeeping from the last episode that we did about metal albums. One huge omission from my list that I've constantly been thinking about, the album Pass the Flask by The Bled. If you're into mid-2000s oh, metal, yeah, we talked listen about to this. that album. And yeah, that was one that hit me like a couple days later. I was like, fuck. Uh, anyway, uh, so uh, some big announcement. Uh, so I guess I can announce this now. Um, in September, I guess I have a weekly comedy show going on in Uptown Waterloo at Dive Bar. Every Sunday in September, I am hosting 
and arranging a comedy show. I've got the first three shows completely booked. Uh, and then there's one more. I believe there's four Sundays in September. So there's four comedy shows. 9 p.m. on Sunday. I know it's late on a Sunday, but there's reason for it because this is going to be a dirty show. Okay, We're going to be talking dirty shit, gross shit, shit, dumb shit. Uh, you know, we're not going to be getting like racist or misogynist, but we may we may talk a little spicy. And it, you know what? That's what's going to happen. And if you don't like that, fuck you. Guess why? Because it's a free show. And if you go to free shows and complain about the content at free shows, asshole. So guess what? Every Sunday, 9 p.m. September, live comedy, dive bar, Waterloo. It's going to be sick. Uh, actually, I'm not even going to be there the second week because I'm going to be in Ottawa. But uh, please come out to those shows because if they do well, we're, we're going to keep doing, we'll keep it. doing it. And if it does really well, maybe people will want to put money behind it and then I can bring in headliners or whatever. I, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Maybe it doesn't do well, but they still want to do comedy and then maybe it'll turn into like an open mic sort of thing. I don't know. But just come out to the shows, enjoy free comedy, and yeah, and hang out with us. We'll be there. Yeah, I'll be exactly. at least. I'll be at at, at least one of them. Uh, well, yeah. probably more than one because you know there's one that will be the day after my birthday, and uh, and we'll probably come back and go to that with. Uh, I'll bring my uh, my, my mega along, um, but uh, but but yeah, I'll I'll be around so you can come and tell us our takes are horrible. And then stay for some comedy or whatever. I don't know. But yeah, yeah um, come out to the free show. Um, oh yeah. I think that's it. Is that it? I think so. I think so. Follow All me right. on Instagram. Otis Morris Dude. That's it. Palm Reader. P-A-L-M-R-E-A-D-R. That's Palm Reader without the last E. We will see you uh, in a week, in six days. I don't know when the next episode's dropping, um, but we'll see you then. Thanks for listening. Hit that like and subscribe, and uh, we'll see you soon. Peace out, initiate the protocol.